Happy Sabbath, church. I'm going to be singing a song called I Looked for Love. this off. I forget I have it on. I looked for love in the red rose so small. I Scripture reading this morning is found in Galatians 5, 22 to 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, 
peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ have sacrificed the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. May I have some volume on this mic? Oh, I think I have enough. <laughs> um, is it possible to get the light just over the screen to be dimmed? No, just the light over here. Good morning, everyone. Just want to wish you a happy Sabbath. Um, it's truly a privilege to stand before you to talk to you about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, because, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is really talking about the Holy Spirit. And um, sometimes you just don't feel worthy to present a talk on the Holy Spirit yourself. And so this morning, I'll be asking the good Lord to take over this body of mine and this mind of mine and use it to present to you the word that he has for you. And I'm praying that when you look up here, you won't see Arlene, but you'll see the Holy Spirit. You'll see God. You'll, you'll see Jesus embodied. as we ask him and we submit ourselves to him this morning. Let us pray. Father in heaven, please calm my trembling heart, my trembling hands and feet, and use them, Lord, to do your bidding. Forgive me of my sins, and cleanse me from all unrighteousness so that my body can be a vessel for you to use. I pray your blessing on this congregation. I pray that you will come down near and touch every heart. And may when we leave here today, it would be good for us to be here because we would have met Jesus. Thank you, Father, for hearing Thank you for answering, and thank you for blessing, in Jesus' name. Amen. So the scripture reading talks about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. 
If you take this into context, now I'm going to go back to what Pastor taught us last Sabbath afternoon. Put this verse in the context in which it was written. The Apostle Paul was writing to the Galatians. There was, there was a discrepancy in the church, in the Galatian church, about circumcision. Circumcision. The Jews who had been converted to Christianity wanted the Gentiles who were coming into the church to be circumcised. And so Paul got wind of it, and he wrote a letter. He said, I think I went to... He said... Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. For in Christ, Jesus, there is circumcision, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Paul alluded to the fact that you cannot love your neighbor as yourself without the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit in your heart, because it is the natural tendency of man to follow the dictates of his flesh. Paul said, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another, so you do not do the things that you wish. Christians who has opened his heart to the working of the Holy Spirit desires only to do God well. But Paul says that, for I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that, I would not. It is, more, it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another member, I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, 
and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Does that sound familiar? The good that I would that I do not. But the answer, Paul answered his own question, and that is the only answer to this question. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so that with me, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Without the Holy Spirit, our natural tendency would be to do the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do we see any of these, any of anything on that list in us? It is only the natural tendencies to lust after the flesh. Scripture says that our righteousness is as filthy rags, No one is good. No, not one. It is the Holy Spirit that makes us good. It is Christ through the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts and into our lives and transform us. Transform us to be like Jesus. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we manifest the fruit of the Spirit. And can you read it with me together, everybody? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. And self-control. Paul says, if we live in the Spirit... Let us walk in the spirit. Jesus speaking to the false prophets said, you will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Sounds logical, doesn't it? Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you shall know them. You know, the story is told of these children who, whenever their parents punish them, say, go to your room. And they'll gladly go up to their room. 
But just outside the window was a huge tree. And so they will climb through the window, down, down the tree, and outside playing, playing for a good hour or two, and then they run back and climb back the tree into the room and then ask the parents, is my time up yet? Can I get out of my room? As if to say they're in the room all the time. So they overheard the father telling the mother, you know, mom, I'm going to cut that, that tree down outside by the kid's window. For years, it hasn't bear a single fruit. I'm going to cut it down. So the kids overheard the father telling the mother he's going to cut the tree down, and they can't afford that. So they put their monies together, and they ran to market, bought a big basket of apples, <laughs> and tied them onto the tree. The next morning, the father got up and he says, Mother, mother, come and look at this miracle. There's apples growing on the pear tree. (laughs) The kids had no idea this was a pear tree because for years it hadn't grown. Yes, we, we cannot grow apples if we are pears. Similarly, If we are a bad tree, we will not make good fruit. The question is, how do we produce good fruits? Jesus longs to manifest his power through and in his people. The Holy Spirit transforms our life by his transforming power so that his people can bear good fruits. So how do we as Christians bear good fruits? Christianity is really open our hearts to the Holy Spirit. The Father said, the Father and the Son take up residence in our hearts through his Holy Spirit. Do we know who the Holy Spirit is? The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. And those are the texts in Matthew 28, verse 19, and Ephesians 2, verse 18. He was also present at creation. When Jesus was baptized, as as Jesus went up out of the water, the voice of his father saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the spirit, in the form of a dove, landed on Jesus. In the upper room at the day of Pentecost, our time of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended on the disciples in tongues of fire. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's the third person of the Godhead. Jesus said to his disciples, it is expedient that I go so the comforter will come. The word expedient emphasizes the necessity and the urgency for which Jesus must go so that the Holy Spirit must come. Was the Holy Spirit not with Jesus at the time when he was here? Yes or no? Was the Holy Spirit with Jesus when he was on earth? Yes. Yes. So why Jesus has to go for the Holy Spirit to come? What does that Holy Spirit coming mean? More forceful, more power. He says that 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for me, for you, that I go, go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. John 16, verse 7. Then Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And another translation says in the New King's James Version, and I will pray the Father, and, 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 and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. So here you're seeing the word comforter being exchanged with helper. Now, the Greek word Paraclete, I'm not a Greek student, but I like, I like to get the, 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 you know, the origin of words. It gives you more meaning to the sentence. So the Greek word paraclete is translated helper and means one who comes alongside of. So the Holy Spirit, who is our divine helper, he will come alongside us to help us. The verb comfort comes from the Latin word comfortare, which means strengthen greatly. And therefore, the Holy Spirit is our divine helper and strengthener. There's a typo you may see, but it means divine, not define. I dictated my, my... So... God is, Jesus is saying, look, I must go so that the Holy Spirit, your divine helper, need to come alongside each of you to strengthen you and to help you. It means that we are not expected to do this on our own. We are not expected to bear the fruits of the Spirit on our own. If you need help, the Holy Spirit is here to help you. The Holy Spirit is here to help us through our disappointments. He's here to help us through our trials. He's here to help us through our, our grievances. He's here to help us through everything. The Holy Spirit is our divine helper and strengthener. None are so vile. None have fallen so low as to be beyond the working of this power. In all who will submit themselves to the Holy Spirit, a new principle of life is to be implanted. The lost image of God is to be restored in humanity. That is the promise, and it is real. What are the works of the Holy Spirit? What is the work of the Holy Spirit? It teaches and it guides mean to truth. John 14, verse 7. The Holy Spirit can, can make the Bible more meaningful to us. The Holy Spirit is a true vicar of Christ, not the Pope. The Holy Spirit is the true vicar of Christ. The Holy Spirit is our personal guide in decision-making process of life. Do not make any decision about your life or anything without first consulting with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit instructs you and teach you in the way that you should go 
Psalm 32, verse 8, I will guide you with my eye. The Lord will guide you continually. Isaiah 58, verse 11, Jesus has promised his Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be our helper, to be our teacher, to be there to support us every step of the way. We are not doing this by ourselves. All that he requests and asks of us is for open heart so that he can come in and enable us. The Holy Spirit is our divine helper and strengthener. Pastor talk about when you're doing your sermon, you should have a bullet. I put this as a bullet. The Holy Spirit is our divine helper and strengthener who will come alongside us and to teach us and guide us. He is our enabler to good works. All that is required is receptivity of an open heart. Can you say that with me? It's a bullet for you to remember. I'm going to read again and you say it with me, okay? The Holy Spirit is our divine helper and strengthener who will come alongside us and to teach us and guide us. He is our enabler to good works. All that is required is receptivity of an open heart. What are the prerequisites? What are the prerequisites to, the, to receiving the Holy Spirit in our lives? You've heard the sermon over and over again. Ask. The number one requisite, prerequisite is ask God for the Holy Spirit. Let me see the hands of us who are asking God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Scripture said in one verse or one short passage, ten times, ask. God wants us to ask. And Sister White says in Testimony, Volume 8, page 21, why do we not hunger and thirst for the gift of the Spirit? Since this is the means by which we are to receive power. Why do we not talk of it, pray for it, preach concerning it? The Lord is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to us than parents are to give good gifts to their children. When I read it this morning, I'm like, really? There isn't anything my children ask me for that I wouldn't give them, providing it's good for them. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm so willing to give them gifts. And here it says that the Lord is more willing to give the Holy Spirit to us than parents are to give good gifts to their children. Grandparents, Susie, I'm sure you like to give gifts to your grandchildren. But just think about it. Let that soak in for a little bit. For the baptism of the Spirit, every worker should be pleading with, with God. So, Pastor Finley spoke about a visit to Shenyang, to Shenyang, uh, China, to one of the largest churches there, 6,000 members. And he sat down with the pastor and said, well, his wife asked the question, what is the secret? What are you doing to have 6,000 members in your church. 
the pastor laughed and said, or smiled and said, prayer. Prayer. He says at, at 4.30 every morning, there's a prayer group that starts praying here in the church. And literally, the people are praying constantly throughout the entire day in the church. But why, why 4.30 a.m.? Well, you see, Pastor, we have professionals in our church. They, they have to go to work. And so they come to church and pray and then leave from the church and then go to work. So they, that's why we start at 4.30 in the mornings. During the worship service, the worship service, there are people praying in different rooms. There are prayer rooms that's filled with people praying. Praying and asking God for the Holy Spirit. When they call for a baptism, thousands of people are coming up for baptism. The power and the working of the Holy Spirit, it starts with prayer. We need to pray for it. Talk about it. Hunger for it. Thirst for it. Ask every day for the Holy Spirit. Uh, The second prerequisite, undivided heart that is totally committed to Jesus. In John 8, verse 29, he said, and Jesus said, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please him. An undivided heart. Matthew 26 and verse 39, he went a little farther. Jesus, this is Christ in Gethsemane. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Jesus Christ's will must be ours. We, we have to learn, by God's grace, to give way to the will of God in our lives. God is fully capable of carrying out his will. And if his will is ours, then we shouldn't worry about anything. There is no limit to the usefulness of the one who, by putting self aside, makes room for the working of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and lives, and lives a life wholly consecrated to God. There is no limit to the usefulness of one who has completely surrendered to Jesus. It is not conclusive evidence that a man is a Christian because he manifests spiritual ecstasy under extraordinary circumstances. Holiness is not rapture. It is an entire surrender of the will to God. It is, it is living by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is doing the will of our Heavenly Father. It is trusting in, the, in God in trial, in darkness as well as in light. It is walking by faith and not by sight. It is relying on God with unquestioning confidence and resting in his love. Our third prerequisite, saturating our minds with the word of God. The Holy Spirit inspires us as we read the word of God. If you're studying your Bible and it's boring, take note. 
you need the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is in your life, the Bible comes alive. God's word becomes inspiring. Strengthen you according to your word. Give you hope in, the, in, in his word. Sister White says in the book, uh, Council of Parents, Teachers, and Students, let the student keep his Bible always with him. And as he has opportunity, read a text and meditate upon it. While walking in the streets, waiting at the railway station, waiting to meet an engagement, let him improve the opportunity to gain some precious thought from the treasure house of truth. I saw Desmond Doss did that. Desmond Doss always have a little Bible in his pocket. And ever so often he's under a tree reading from his little Bible. I used to think that when I'm reading my Bible, I have to be in a quiet place, no disturbances, by myself. But this is saying you can have a little pocket Bible with you, put it in your purse, and every time you have a moment, munch upon the, the, the words of, of the scripture. Get a little treasure out of it. I, I, I love that thought. I, I had to put it on my Facebook when I saw it. It was just so inspiring for me. Saturate your mind with the word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I may not sin against you. Spirit-filled lives are guided by the word. Spirit-filled lives are instructed by the word. Spirit-filled lives are empowered by the word. Spirit-filled lives are sanctified by the word. And spirit-filled lives are transformed by the word. Mark Finley. Prerequisite number four. Put away all dissension between you and anyone else. The disciples were in one accord when the Holy Spirit came. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts 2 and verse 1. Unity is not uniformity. To be united doesn't mean that you all have to look alike, dress alike, say the same word at the same time. In fact, that sounds more like a robot. When the Lord asks us to be united, he doesn't ask us to give up our personality and, and stop being who you are. Peter was one who speak before he, 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 he thinks, and, and, and Matthew will write everything down, and Luke would be very studious. That did not stop them from being united. So unity is not, con is, unity is not uniformity, but unity does, re it does not remove you, our uniqueness of our character. When we are united in Christ, we are, um, we are united because of the mission of Christ. We are united because of the fundamental truths where we, we, are, we are united in his word. One purpose. Just like the Holy Spirit, the Father, and the Son, they are united in one purpose. One mission, and that is the saving of souls. When the Holy Spirit moves upon the human minds, all petty complaints and accusations between man and his fellow man will be put away. 
The bright beams of the sun of righteousness will shine into the chambers of the mind and the heart. In our worship of God, there will be no distinction between rich or poor, white and black. All prejudices will be melted away. When we approach God, it will be as one brotherhood. We are pilgrims and strangers bound for a better country, even a heavenly. Their all pride, all accusation, all self-deception will forever have, have an end. In heaven, there will be no separation. And so the Lord wants us to be together and united in his church, even today, through the power of his Holy Spirit. Do you need to forgive someone who is causing you pain? We will have to get rid of all our dissensions in order for the Holy Spirit to use us. Dissension is listed among the, 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 the flesh, the works of the flesh. It is not listed among the fruits of the Spirit. Prerequisite number five active labor for others. On the day of Pentecost, they baptized 3,000 members to the church. I want to give us hope because Jesus has not left us alone. He has, he's not given up on us. The church, enfeebled and defective though it be, is the only object on earth on which Christ bestows his supreme regard. He is constantly watching it with solicitude and is strengthening it by his Holy Spirit. So the Lord is constantly wooing us to him. And as I come to a close, I'll admonish you that as we open our hearts and mind to the power of the Holy Spirit and surrender all to Jesus, his will become ours. We will start producing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Love is the fruit of the Spirit, and love is the basis of godliness. Whatever the profession, no man has pure love to God unless he has, unless he has unselfish love for his brother. It is, not, it is not possible for the heart in which Christ abides to be destitute of love. If we love God because he first loved us, we shall love all for whom Christ died. We cannot come in touch with divinity without coming in touch with humanity. For in him who sits upon the throne of the universe, divinity and humanity are combined. Connected with Christ, we are connected with our fellow men by the golden links of the chain of love. Then the pity and the compassion of Christ will be manifest in our life. Temperance is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And what is temperance? Some translate self-control. Self-control is the abstinence of all that is bad and the moderate use of that which is good. It means abstaining from things that are harmful to our bodies, like tobacco, alcohol, drugs, and illicit sex. Those are not supposed to be a part of God's people. And it is the moderate use of that which is good. 
in order to get the Holy Spirit, it's a daily asking. You can't ask today and then forget to ask tomorrow. It's everyday asking, everyday surrendering. Sister White says, consecrate yourself to God in the morning. Make this your very first work. Let your prayer be, take me, O Lord, as holy thine. I lay all my plans at your feet. Use me today in your service and abide with me and let all your works be done in me. This is a daily matter. Each morning, consecrate yourself to God for that day. Surrender all your plans to him to be carried out or given up as his providence shall indicate. Thus, day by day, you may be giving your life into the hands of God, and thus your life will be molded and more, more after the life of Christ. Amen. It's a daily matter. Surrender your heart to Jesus. I, I, I found this in Mel, this book Melody, by Melody Mason, Dare to Ask for More. And she said, pray and ask the Lord, Lord, take my heart because I cannot give it. It is thy property. Keep it pure, because I cannot keep it for thee. Save me in spite of myself, my weak, unchristlike self. Mold me, fashion me, raise me into a pure and holy atmosphere where the rich current of thy love can flow through my soul. Brethren, Jesus is coming soon, and he wants to pour out his spirit upon his church. He wants us to be in his kingdom with him. He wants to give us his Holy Spirit more than a parent want to give their child a good gift. And so this morning, I want us to stand as we turn to the person next to you and we'll pray and ask God for his Holy Spirit. Shall we stand, please? Rosie, Rosie, I should have notified you before. Could you play on the piano, I Surrender All? And we'll use that our final, as, as our, our closing song. But as Rosie play in the background, I Surrender All, just going to ask you to turn to the person next to you and we'll pray and ask God for his Holy Spirit. Carl, can you join me up here, please? Because I'll pray with you. And Gabby, if you want to come, you can come too. No? Okay. I don't remember the... You found it, Rosie? We'll pray now.
Amen. Can you turn your, your hymn books to 309 and we'll sing the last two verses? Father, we thank you again for being here today. Thank you for blessing us. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.